me a mission, I got demons to slay. Communication made you talk in this way. Anxious world. What's going on, everybody? I thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Anxiety About Anxiety podcast. Like always, I'm your grateful host, Keith. And man, y'all, <laughs> y'all have no clue how many times I try to record this episode. This is literally my fifth time trying to record this episode. So as some of you may know, if you listen to the podcast in the past, I have four boys. And, you know, I have a five-year-old and an 11-year-old. And sometimes, you know, they like to, you know, be kids. And so I was trying to, you know, go in the room, you know, a quiet place and, and, you know, do a quick episode. And nope, they wasn't having it. Nope, not today. So I tried to go in the bathroom. (laughs) And then they came in the bathroom with me. And then it just was hectic. And I really couldn't get the episode done. And uh, I don't know, man. You know, you know that's the life of a, a podcasting parent. You know, we try to do whatever we got to do to try to get the episode done because the show must go on. But, yeah, I, man, I think what I'm going to do is because it's so funny. I'm going to actually I'm actually leave it at the end of this episode <laughs> so you guys can see exactly what I was dealing with. I mean, it's it's super funny. You know, probably not at that moment. I was trying to do my best. I was losing my train of thought. But yeah, he's five years old, so, you know, what am I going to do? So I'm definitely going to probably lead that. No, I am going to lead that at the end of this episode. It's like four minutes long, and you're going to hear all the, the water and he banging everywhere. And Man, I try. I, I try. You know, I'm not like most podcasters that got a studio or who, who can go to a studio and got, you know, got that professional setup. No, you guys, sometimes I have to record at my kitchen table. You have to do it late at night when nobody's, where everybody sleep. But, you know, hey, I'm a dad. Right now, I will be real with you. I'm sitting in the car recording. But the show must go on, right? So let me get to it before I lose my train of thought again. My mind is all over the place. So, yes. So on this episode of Anxiety About Anxiety, you will be hearing the story of Nev Santana. I'm pretty sure I said that right. And the title of his episode is to come after the storm. And um, basically what he's going to talk about is the struggles he had in trying to maintain a successful career and the stresses that came with that, which ultimately led to uh, his battle with depression and his diagnosis with bipolar He's going to give you a, you know, a quick rundown of his, his, his history and uh, how he's dealing with it at the moment and how he dealt with it in the past. Um, it's a really good story. I like the way he, you know, he, he tells you, you get a lot of information about him. So, you, you know, at the end, you, you know a lot about him. I like the way he did it. Nev, thank you so much for being a voice for mental health and sharing your story and not being afraid to speak up, speak out and, you know, say what's on your mind and just, you know help push the mental health awareness community further. So, Nev, thank you so much. And, man, I I almost literally forgot the title and everything, you guys. Like, my mind is all over the place. But uh, as for me and the podcast, um, I got some exciting things coming up. Uh, One being my new, it was going to be a micro podcast, which is like episodes that's like less than 10 minutes long. That was the initial plan. But as I... 
start getting recordings. Basically, let me get into it. It's called the Anxious Male Perspective Podcast now. Uh, basically, it's a platform for men to come on and speak about why men don't talk about mental health. And we try to give solutions and I let people share their, their stories. But anyways, I was getting recordings that were so good and so like inspiring that were longer than 10 minutes. I just did not want to just cut them in half and be like part one, part two. So I just moved. I just like, you know what? I'm just going to make it a podcast. I was trying to be a little different, but hey, it's, it's okay. So I got that coming. I'm shooting for July 12th, a release date. Um, who knows? Trying to edit and do all that with kids and put things together. I don't know, but I'm shooting for July 12th. Excited about that. I got some other things in work. And um, yeah, man, continue just to support the podcast. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Anxiety About Anxiety. I'm going to continue doing what I got to do. And yeah, let's get into this episode before one of my children run to the car and jump in the car. And yeah, and then <laughs> I have to re-record this. But yeah, uh, yeah. Also, look out for at the end. You can hear what I went through. So yeah, thank you all for tuning in to an episode of the Anxiety About Anxiety podcast. What I like to call therapy for your soul. Here's Nev Santana, the come after the storm. Thank you, everybody. Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Nev Santana. Uh, I am happy to be joining this podcast to share my story uh, about me being bipolar, um, my diagnosis, and how I've dealt with uh, my diagnosis um, and what I've been doing to uh, help me uh, through uh, this, this disorder. Uh, before I dive into that, what I'd like to do is give you a, a background of who I am, where I'm from, uh, the experiences that I've had in my life. Um, I'll talk to you a little bit about my diagnosis, what happened after that, and I'll give you a brief, brief synopsis of where I am now. So I'm originally from uh, Brooklyn, New York, uh, from a neighborhood in Brooklyn called Brownsville. Uh, so Brownsville, Brooklyn, it's one of the more dangerous neighborhoods that you have in Brooklyn. And uh, especially when I was growing up, it was definitely dangerous then. Uh, because of that, uh, my mother wanted to kind of shield me away from um, the environment in which I was in. Uh, she didn't want me to go out on the street uh, to, to play with neighbors uh, because you just never knew what would happen. Um, I, I didn't go to the park often either. Um, what I did instead was I stayed indoors, stayed inside. She got me a computer. Uh, me and my uh, siblings uh, got us a computer and we spent a lot of time just uh, playing on a computer. I uh, specifically spent time playing chess on a computer. Uh, I also spent a lot of time with the encyclopedia that she got for us, uh, the CD. Uh, I forget exactly which, it wasn't Britannica, but it was another uh, encyclopedia that we used, uh, but it was really fun. I <laughs> listened to a lot of classical music. I listened to different um, national anthems for several different countries. Um, I, for some reason, I thought that was extremely fun. And I also read uh, different articles that were on that CD. And, and it was it was really fun for me as a little kid. Um, from there, I went to a boarding school in Pennsylvania uh, for four years uh, for high school. Um, that was really interesting experience, really fun experience. First time that I was introduced to different cultures and different backgrounds. Um, other than, you know, the Caribbean background, because my family is from Trinidad and Tobago. And it was really, really 
outstanding experience for me. Um, and I really cherish that experience uh, for sure. From there, I, I graduated, went to um, a school in Southwest Michigan called Andrews University. And uh, my second year, I went to study abroad in, in Argentina. Uh, so with my school, if you were studying Spanish studies, then you were required to go spend a year abroad in either Argentina or Spain. And I, I chose Argentina uh, because of the access that I would uh, get to uh, all of South America. And it was really great. I was able to travel uh, to you know, Brazil, to Chile, to Uruguay, um, to you know, different places within South America. Uh, really great experience for me. Um, then I came back to the U.S. and I, um, I finished my schooling and I graduated. And then I went to um, I went to South Korea to teach English. That was a beautiful experience, such a beautiful experience. I was able to see how um, in that culture you are rewarded for being someone that helps with the overall, you know, economy, overall um, well-being of a people. Uh, so teachers were treated really well um, in this environment. And so my students were always taking me out once in a while. Um, they would as well uh, bring me gifts. It was really fun. I, I liked my time in South Korea. Um, then I left South Korea, came back to America, taught English again for a year. And then from there, I, um, I wanted to get into sales. So I joined a tech company and I, I did ad tech sales. And if anyone knows ad tech sales or just sales period, you know it is very high pace, high energy environment, um, especially um, when you add in cold calling and you have to do heavy amount of phone calls every single day. So anywhere between, you know, 60 to 80 calls, sometimes 100 calls in one day. Um, there's a lot of energy that you need to have for that. There's a lot of uh, juggling of different um, aspects of sales and just like the pork environment that you have to go through as well. And that was really great experience for me. I was able to learn uh, different uh, ways to persuade people different ways to um, tell stories. Um, storytelling is actually one of the, I don't know if it's underrated, but I, I believe it's extremely important um, when it comes to getting a point across or trying to sell someone, trying to persuade someone, or simply just like uh, giving someone information. If you don't do it without a story, then it's really hard for that person to really grab, grasp that information that you're trying to give them. And so I learned storytelling um, or a form of storytelling when it came to that company that I worked for in New York. And um, I became really good at it over some time. Uh, in the beginning, I actually wasn't that great. I, I sucked. Um, but over time, I became really good at it. And I was able to persuade people that didn't think that would be, I didn't think that would be persuaded um, to, to buying a product. And that felt really good. Uh, to be able to start to kind of turn the corner um, from when I wasn't good and to become really good and become one of the uh, better reps that we had at the company. Uh, because of that success, uh, I was asked to go to Chicago 
um, as a manager. So they gave me a promotion to go to Chicago as a manager from New York and to help out with the office that we we had in Chicago. And that is when stress levels began to rise for me. Um, first of all, to give you some background here, um, I didn't know anyone in Chicago at all. Uh, so I moved, over to, I moved to Chicago uh, not knowing anyone besides work people that I didn't even really know that well in the first place. And um, I am pretty much an introvert. So it's really hard for me to go out and meet people and put myself in positions where I'm kind of forced to, to meet people. And so in the beginning, I was really kind of lonely and alone and um, my, my friends as well didn't come out to visit. So um, it was really tough for me uh, just only working. And what was helping me in the beginning when it came to work was I was extremely successful. I was seeing success. I was seeing my team hit the top of the rankings uh, in terms of uh, revenue sold. It was amazing, right? My, my team was like, uh, we were firing on all cylinders and we were not able to slow down. Like we weren't going to slow down. At least that's what I thought in my head. Uh, but then uh, my team tanked. We started to not do as well. Um, we went from being top 10 to middle of the pack. Um, and that, that hurt me really, really bad. And that started to give me some forms of depression. And I was really, really unhappy about that. And I didn't have a support system <clears throat> to kind of help me through that. I didn't have anyone that I could turn to and talk to that would completely get my mind off of um, the negative things that were going on in my life. Um, and that was really tough to add to that. My brother uh, was uh, arrested for uh, murder. And man, I got so scared for numerous different things um, when it came to hearing that. I, I, one thing I was scared about was I thought, <clears throat> I thought that people would learn about what happened with my brother and they would attribute the same characteristics that a murderer would have to me. And they would think that I would be someone similar to a murderer because obviously I have a family member that just was uh, arrested for, you know, first degree murder. And that was, uh, it was really hard for me to kind of deal with. And I was really scared that the reputation that I built, <clears throat> I was scared that the reputation that I built would just get destroyed. And there's that whole, that quote or that saying that it takes, something like it takes 20 years to build a reputation, but it takes five minutes to, um, to destroy it. And I thought like, man, this was my five minutes. Like this was my five minutes of destruction. Um, people are going to see this. They're going to think to themselves, this guy is a phony. This guy is just from the hood. Um, he has no 
like he doesn't deserve to be here. Uh, and that, that really felt terrible. Another thing that scared me was thinking to myself, well, what if my brother did do this? Or even if he didn't do it, if people believe that he did it, the family of the one that was murdered, if they believe that he did it, um, what if they're looking for retaliation? So what if they're going to look to, you know, come after me or my family? Uh, what, 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 what do I do then? And that, that, uh, that scared me as well. And so my first mental breakdown uh, derived from extreme paranoia uh, from a number of different things. Th- that those uh, that event, my brother being arrested, uh, triggered me. But there are other things that uh, triggered me uh, to get me to a point where I felt extreme paranoia, and um, I had to go to the hospital. <clears throat> I had to go to the hospital and uh, they had to date me because um, I was, I was like flailing my arms. I was really, really, um, I was manic and I was really scared and I was nervous and paranoid. And I, at one point was telling them, you should kill me. You should kill me. I don't deserve to be on this earth. And that was uh, really tough for me to uh, go through. And it's, even when I think about it today, it's really, uh, really tough for me to think about um, sometimes. I'm like, man, I can't believe I actually went through that. And uh, because I entered the hospital uh, as a John Doe, so I didn't want to give them my name because I thought I was being followed. And I thought someone was going to try to kill me if I gave them my name. I thought that as the more uh, my name was being said is the uh, closer that my killer was going to be uh, coming uh, to get me. So I didn't give my name. Uh, I told them, I told them I had no name. I told them I was John Doe. And so, what happened was that they didn't have a name to attribute to the person that I was. Right? Like they they didn't know who I was at all. Right? They they couldn't find out my job. They couldn't find out my family. They couldn't find out my friends. They couldn't find out any of that information. And so. At the end of my hospital stay, which is only a night, I woke up the next morning and they just told me that I had an altered state of mind. And they didn't give me a diagnosis. They simply just told me I had an altered state of mind and it just had me go my way, um, which still to this day, I kind of feel, I don't feel good about that. I feel like, I, I understand that I didn't have a name, um, so to speak. I mean, obviously I did. Um, but I think that they should have done a little bit more to find out what happened to me or what was going on with me uh, when I was uh, not in an altered state of mind. They simply just told me to go home, that I'll be completely fine, rather than trying to ask me questions to figure out what's going on. Um, I'm only saying that because I, I imagine that there are many people, uh, homeless people that are out there that uh, probably go through the same type of mental experience where... Um, they're paranoid, they don't know what's going on, they don't want to share their name, they're not too sure what happens if they share their name, so they don't share their name, and therefore they go into this mental um, this mental state 
of a paranoia or whatever you want to call it, a mental breakdown, whatever you want to call it. And they're not able to um, kind of have any grips with their, uh, with reality. And I think that it sucks if as a um, medical professional, you're just telling these people, oh, well, you were just in an altered state, just go back to doing whatever you were doing before and kind of crossing our fingers, hoping that, um, that you'll be fine, rather than trying to figure out if there's a diagnosis that we could give them and if we could try to start to give them some type of help. Um, so that was my experience the first time I had a mental breakdown. And I went back to trying to live a normal life. Um, and what that looked like was going back to work, uh, dealing with the high levels of uh, stress and anxiety and paranoia that I was feeling. And I didn't know what was wrong with me. At one point, I actually thought that I was simply just getting signs from God. And I thought that I was a prophet. I thought that I um, should be letting people know how they could live their lives or if they should live their lives better, blah, 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 yada, yada. All these different things went through my head, um, not realizing that I had uh, a disorder, a mental disorder. And so I had my second mental breakdown after I went to work and at work, um, I, again, was extremely paranoid. I thought people were trying to come get me. I thought people were trying to also control me. And all these different things were running through my mind. Went to the hospital the second time. Um, the second time I went to the hospital, this is when they actually gave me a diagnosis of bipolar disorder. And I was um, I was given medication um, to take and everything like that. And I then from there started to, I started to take my medication. I started to kind of go, um, goes, I don't know, steady. I don't know if that's word I want to say, but I started to use med medication um, a lot more uh, than I did before, or I just started to use it, I should say. Anywho, I got to a point where I stopped taking medication for a little bit because I, I was forgetting uh, some dosages, or some doses, I, I should say. And um, from there, I had my third mental breakdown. And uh, this one, I was like, man, like, I actually have something going on. This is real. This is serious. This isn't something that I could push under the rug. This isn't something that I could act like will go away simply because I wanted to. It doesn't work like that. And so I came to grips with the fact that medication is something that is extremely powerful for me. And I'm able to um, have some semblance of normalcy with medication. Uh, I don't have to deal with as many, as many mood swings, as many intrusive thoughts, as many paranoia. I didn't have to deal with that as much anymore because of my medication. And so I am a huge believer of medication. Um, I am even a bigger believer in 
advocating for yourself and trying to figure out what is going on uh, in your mind by speaking to a therapist, by speaking to a psychiatrist, and having them give you tools and resources that you're able to utilize to help you get to um, a, a semblance of, of normalcy and who knows what normal is, um, but we definitely don't want to be in a, a, a state of paranoia at all times or a state of anxiety at all times. Um, if we can minimize uh, those those times where we feel uh, the this way, then you know that would be great. Uh, so I, I do want to end this um, by by saying. I think it's important for you to, if you're listening, uh, I think it's important for you to uh, protect your mental health, protect your mind. It is the most powerful uh, tool that you have, and it's the most fragile tool that you have in your toolkit. And if you take your mind seriously, um, then you can go ahead and do extremely powerful things uh, within your life and your world. Um, if you ignore it, then you're just going to just get beat up over and over and over again. And no one likes to get beat up. Um, unless you're like a boxer who's addicted to getting punched in the face or something, which I don't think the boxers are addicted to. Um, I think they're addicted to punching other people in the face. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I'd like to leave it with that. Uh, thank you so much for taking your time out to, to listening to this. Um, protect your mind, please. I have a plea to you, and that plea is to make sure that you go and seek out help. Also, make sure that you um, speaking are speaking to other people within your circle um, to make sure that their mental health is safe as well. Thank you so much. Anxious world. Anxious world. <laughs> Anxious world. Anxious world. What's going on, everybody? <laughs> I thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Anxiety About Anxiety podcast. I'm your host, Keith, and I got a special guest right here. Um, what's your name? Yeah. His name is Drew. Uh, that's my that's my little son right there. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> he wanted to be a part of this podcast or this episode, I should say. Oh, okay. Okay, he's washing his hands while we're recording because yeah, I'm recording this in the bathroom <laughs> for all the podcasters out there who know you know what I'm going through right now. I'm trying to get the best quality sound and also get some quietness. But hey, I guess the show must go on. So if you hear that in the background, I'm so sorry. But yeah, so yeah, the show must go on. So yeah, on this episode. You're going to hear the story of Nev Santana. I really hope I said his name right. But uh, yeah, so Nev, um, he's basically going to talk about um, um, his diagnosis with bipolar and uh, how how it affected him throughout his life. And like uh, he's going to talk about his work life and, you know, how he was trying to advance in his career. And um, how that's, you know, that stress, the stress that it can cause, you know, trying to, 
you know, make sure you, you know, you're advancing and you're doing, you're doing the best job and you're doing what you got to do. And that stress turned into depression. And he going to, you know, just show you or tell you exactly how he dealt with it, what he went through and how he's doing right now. And so I'm currently being distracted with my little one playing with soap. I'm so sorry, you guys, but this podcast is real as it gets. I'm not going to shy away from it. Uh, but yeah, um, Nev, thank you so. I hope, like I said, I hope I said your name right. Thank you so much for being the voice for mental health. Yet again, he turns the water on. <laughs> um, thank you, thank you so much for being a, a voice for mental health and sharing your story and you know being an inspiration and inspiring other people out there to talk about what they've been through. Um, so the title of his episode is called "The Calm After the Storm," and uh, that's a great title. Um, as for me, um, what, what what I'm doing right now is uh, I'm getting ready to launch or I'm getting ready to drop my other podcast, the Anxious Male Perspective Podcast. Little one, can we please turn off the water for one second? Come on, my man. Uh, anyway, the Anxious Male Perspective Podcast, where I have guys come on and talk about why guys don't talk about mental health. Um, I'm just starting. To, I'm just trying to start a conversation. You know, uh, help break the stigma. And um, I'm very excited about it. Uh, it's due to come out July 12th. I'm trying to put a lot of work in. Man, I got over like 30, 40 guys that already sent me, you know, um, recordings. And I'm so thankful for that. So, yeah, man, just trying to be a voice. And yet again, he has to make noise while I'm doing this. But I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's life of a dad. So, okay. So, um, I guess we should jump into this episode <laughs> where you're going to keep hearing him bang around. So, yeah, that's what's going on with me. So continue to support and, you know, the podcast. Uh, follow me on Facebook, Instagram. <laughs> really, kid? <laughs> I guess. An anxiety about anxiety. Uh, yeah, so let's get into this episode <laughs> right now. Thank you guys for uh, putting up with me and my son. So until next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Anxiety About Anxiety podcast, what I like to call therapy for your soul.